0: From Kurtco Media.
1: What are the top travel destinations for 2024? Stay tuned to find out. I'm Bruce Wallen, and this is travel that matters. <music> Attention, fellow foodies! Bruce here, and I've got something truly special. To spice up your day. Are you someone who believes that cooking and baking are about more than just following a recipe? I certainly am. Isn't it really more about creating moments and memories and flavors that last a lifetime? Travel That Matters is very proud to have partnered with Watkins, the brand that's been helping passionate chefs, bakers, and home cooks like you and me flavor every moment. From crafting family recipes to inventing new dishes that are uniquely you, Watkins innovative flavoring products have been a secret chef ingredient for more than 155 years. Watkins takes great pride in their products being free of artificial flavors and colors, and many are also non-GMO. Verified, certified organic, kosher certified, gluten-free. They offer a full line of flavoring products, including pure extracts, spices, herbs, grilling seasonings, rubs, marinades, bitters, and even artificial dye-free baking sprinkles. So, If you're as excited as I am to elevate your culinary creations, look for the Watkins products at your favorite retailer and join the Watkins community on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and X by searching for Watkins1868. That's Watkins1868. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Travel That Matters the show where we explore the world's most extraordinary travel experiences. We have a very cool show for you today. We are going to take a look at the most exciting destinations for 2024. I'd like to welcome back, I have a, a, a kind of a co-host today, my good friend and longtime colleague and a former guest on Travel That Matters, Jackie caradonio Jackie, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks for having me again.
1: Yes, again, we're very happy you, we had a great episode. Those of you who have not heard it, it was an episode a while back about accomplishment travel. You'll have to listen to the episode to to find out what that means. For today, Jackie and I are going to review a number of picks for the top destinations for 2024. And I'll give you a little background. I was at Virtuoso Travel Week a month ago. So Virtuoso Travel Week is, is kind of the biggest luxury travel event of the year. Lots of top travel advisors and you know industry leaders and so on gather in Las Vegas for this event. And while I was there, I just interviewed a bunch of people that I met along the way and asked them what destination they were most excited about for 2024. I will say right now, I did not get the same answer twice. So I thought that was very cool. So we are going to play some of those clips. AJ Mosley, our producer, is here with us today, and he is going to kind of play a clip. Somebody's pick, and then Jackie and I are going to talk about why it is a cool destination, or maybe actually why it's not. So, AJ, do you want to start up with the first clip? Here is Andrea Grisdale, the CEO of IC Bellagio.
0: And the place I'm most excited about for 2024 is the Dolomites, the mountainous region in the northern part of Italy. All
1: right, I like this one because you and I disagree on the dolomites a little bit i think it is we do well, you didn't like it that much I, it is my favorite part no of you I are completely misremembering
0: what happened i i loved <laughs> the dolomites my problem was i packed it too full and then i only i think i only had like five days there and then i moved on and then, and then i went to a because i screwed that trip up so bad it was driven by fomo and, and I just packed too much into it. So when I got home, I was just bitter because I was tired and I had overdone it. Were I to do it again, I would have just spent like a week and a half in the Dolomites. I went there in the summertime, fall-ish. You were there wintertime.
1: I've been both as fantastic as it is in the winter. The skiing is, um, I mean, amazing. Like Dolomiti Super Ski is you know, maybe the greatest place to ski on earth, really, like the, the Celerondo, where you can kind of just go around in a massive circle all day long and never do the same run twice, eating great Italian food and, and you know, drinking whatever their version of schnapps is along the way. It is an incredible experience. It's so beautiful. Like, just, it, it look they look different than the rest of the Alps. They look different than anything here. It's it's incredible. But I have to say, I, like, I actually like the summer. Yeah,
0: the hiking's insane.
1: And you can just get lost and it doesn't, and, and the Via Ferrata, I, I don't, like, that was one of the most fun things I've ever done is, like, climbing these incredible peaks with the, you know, the chain link system that was created during World War One, I, I believe, or two, one of those, one of the wars, so they, the soldiers created them so they could kind of have their positions high on a mountain and protect the protect the country, and now they are recreational purposes, and it allows non-rock climbers to do some of the most amazing rock climbing in the world.
0: I think the big thing, too, is that the Winter Games are going to be there in 26. So a lot is changing. And I hope for the better. I mean, traffic is a big issue. We got rear-ended by a German police officer on the Autostrad. Maybe that's what I told you about that made you think that's I didn't have a good time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there were a lot of really bad bottlenecks, like getting in and out of those little tunnels and stuff. I know I did a story for Bloomberg last year uh, that talked about what they're doing to prepare for the games, and and I did speak to some of the the government players there and they said that they're working on a lot of that. But also there's like a lot of really good hotel stuff going on. I think it was the Rosa Alpina was reflagged as an Amon. Mandarin Oriental is taking over the Hotel Cristallo, Hotel Delen in Cortina. So there's a lot of new stuff going on hotel wise. And I would also just say, echo that the food is Outrageous. I mean, I ate so well. I don't even eat meat. So, like, quite a bit of it was off limits to me, but I was really blown away by so much of the food I had there. If you can go to the top of, I think it's Kronplatz Mountain, that's where one of Norbert Niederkoffler's restaurants is. It's called Alpin. Life changing.
1: You also mentioned the Rosa Alpina, which is famous for its food as well. And I will say, too, just to clarify Cortina, where the kind of the Olympic Games will be based, is very like, chic city. It's kind of a CNBC type of place. And it's amazing, like lots of luxury boutiques and all that. But you can also go get a very different experience in places like San Cassiano. There's a lot of other smaller villages that have nice hotels, great access to the lifts, great access to the hiking, the skiing, everything. San Casiano, there's a hotel there called Chiasa Solaris. And it's right across from the Dolomiti Super Ski Lifts and they have a, a fondue restaurant in their wine cellar. So, that's all you need that's all you need to know. It is incredible and even for a vegetarian like you, you can <laughs> all have the an cheese, incredible I'll take meal there. All the cheese. Yeah. Okay. So, we love the Dolomites. What's next?
0: Deborah Frank, Editor-in-Chief of Luxury Magazine for Luxury Card MasterCard Numbers. I can't wait to go to Lamu, an island in the Lamu archipelago of Kenya. It's rustic, ungentrified, and of a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Plus, my friend Nairobi designer Anna Trubinsky just opened a boutique hotel there called Jana Lamu.
1: And it's an island I've been dying to go to for years and it's having its moment. So my main experience with Lamu is Years ago at Rob Report, I, I sent a writer to do a story about Lemu, the the archipelago, because it, it looked amazing. It sounded like a great story. And it turned out she was allergic to the sun. So she had to stay in her, her hotel room. You can probably guess who the writer is, actually. I'm not going to say. I know exactly yeah, you one. know exactly who the writer is. We will
0: discuss Anyways, I,
1: I sent the wrong writer for that story, for sure, because this place does look super cool, like just a, a bunch of you know tropical islands. Now, for me... Again, we're talking about a huge haul from Los Angeles to get to Kenya. And so for me, like the idea of going to a beach destination on the east coast of Africa, as wonderful as it sounds, it's like, am I going to go all that way?
0: No, you're going to pair it with a safari. Right.
1: Pair it, but, but maybe I just want to do safari like, or, or um, you know, Safari no. City. Okay,
0: First of all, I can tell you, I literally just got back from Tanzania. I did a safari and then I went begrudgingly. To Zanzibar. And it was amazing. I wanted to stay longer. I desperately did not want to leave. I was going to try to just get a job at this resort because it was (laughs) so much fun. I I am getting the sense that Lamu kind of has a similar vibe. So I don't fully agree with you on that. I actually think every safari should have a few days of beach where you can decompress if you can. Also, the woman that Deborah mentioned, Anna Trubitsky, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she is like the maker of all things safari chic. So like Beverly Jobert wears her clothes. That's going to be a very cool hotel. So I I think that was a really solid suggestion.
1: Yeah, I got to say, I looked at a couple of images of it. It looks super cool, like just beautiful. And then also they have these, um, they have three does, dows. How do you pronounce that? D-H-O-W, Dow, Dow, okay, so these, like, Mozambican, you know, Portuguese-style boats that they've restored, and they have, they have three of them for guests to use, and so they can, they'll take you out for day trips, even overnight trips, It like, it, it really looks, I, I agree, I'm just saying, you know, for me, I have never made that extra effort to, to do the beach experience, Zanzibar talked to, so were you, did you, like, that's, Culturally, really interesting destination, too, with all the, like, what's the, Stonetown? Is that, is that where?
0: Yeah, yeah. Stonetown is amazing. We did a really long tour of Stonetown. We even went to this, they have this night market every single night. It is so fascinating. Like that entire island is really interesting. Stone Town is not to be missed. We stayed at the White Sand Villas, which interestingly enough has just opened these villas that are totally off-grid. It's the first for the island. So a little focus on sustainability as well. But honestly, just like heaven on earth, I can't even, you know, there's very few places that compare.
1: So is this the kind of place, is Zanzibar one big island where you would stay like in one part of the island or is it like an archipel, like, like Lamu, where it's just a bunch of different islands all over? There?
0: You know, if I was going Going to do it differently, I would actually stay in Stonetown for a few nights. I mean these these structures are ancient and they have to be renovated. They cannot be torn down. The whole thing is just completely landmarked, the entire town. So we just stayed in the very resorty area. And if I were to do it again, that was amazing and beautiful in its own way. But I really think that there's so much value in going to the town that that's how I would do it. I would add a couple of days in the city and they have really beautiful just like it gave like a very Riyadh type feeling. I almost felt like I was in Marrakech or something the way that they have these very small entrances through these narrow alleyways. And then the hotel just opens up and there's like a pool inside with like a big courtyard in the middle.
1: So good. We're confusing everyone because we're talking about Zanzibar and Lamu, but we got two two destinations out of one. Either one, you can't go wrong. I highly
0: recommend Zanzibar. I, okay, Zanzibar. <laughs> Jackie
1: says Zanzibar. Deborah says Lamu. No, Deborah
0: had a solid suggestion. De- Deborah
1: and, and by the way, the spelling of that that resort, the it's brand new, is Jana J-A-N-N-A-H, I believe. So Jana Lamu. Here is Pradeep Rahman, who is the managing director of Corinthia, New York. There are two cities I think are hard and happening. One is the resurgence of New York City, and the other one for more of vacation would be Dubrovnik in Croatia. What are you most excited about in New York? Well, the opening of Surrey for sure, the current year, and also travel is back, spending is back. I mean, Broadway is at its full extent. Okay, Jackie, you live in New York, so I'm not even going to bother addressing that comment. Any exciting new reasons to visit your city?
0: We have some cool stuff going on right now. There, There's a couple of new hotels opening up, one of which he mentioned. We have the Fifth Avenue Hotel that I'm really excited about that's opening um, in Nomad right around the corner from the relatively new Ritz and the new-ish Nomad. Food-wise, the city is just totally back on top of its game. There's a ton of really great restaurants. Jose Andres just opened something. Kwame Onwuachi's new restaurant, Tatiana, in Lincoln Center is amazing. I've only made it in once because it's impossible to get a reservation, but it's life-changing. And then he's right. Broadway's actually pretty on fire right now. I really want to see Back to the Future. <laughs> it looks so good. <laughs> and we also have some cool museum stuff going on. MoMA will debut this amazing Ed Ruscha retrospective. The Hispanic Society of America just reopened after decades of being shuttered. There's just a ton going on. I mean, par for the course for New York, though, right?
1: No arguments here. I Look, I haven't been since well before the pandemic. It is a place that I feel like I need to go back consistently and I haven't. So I'm guessing there's a lot of people in my same situation right now too, you know, who haven't been since before the pandemic. So I do think there's a lot of demand there and excitement around New York City. Okay. Dubrovnik, have you been?
0: I have not been. I have so many friends who have been I definitely agree with the person who said this, that it is just known for its beauty and the outdoorsy element, but I also think it's really coming into its own as a foodie destination. They have a couple of festivals that are annually happening. I think one's in the summer. There's another one called the Good Food Festival that happens in October. So I think that's kind of like a nice way to experience it that maybe isn't like the foremost reason that people go. I mean, I certainly travel for food, so that would be a reason for me to go.
1: In my experience, the foremost reason why people go to Dubrovnik is to see Game of Thrones sets. I swear, I, I actually, I was there a few years back on a cruise ship. It was kind of during that height of the, you know, discovery of Dubrovnik and everybody was going in. And I swear half the people on this ship were so excited about Dubrovnik just to see Game of Thrones sets. I think since then it's, it's gotten better, but it's also, I think they've also limited the number of cruise Passengers who can visit on a given day. Since I was there, it's it's now four thousand passengers at any one time in the city, which I think is a, a, a very good thing. It, it like that city just flooded with people when the cruise ships came in. I also think it's a city that's worth staying overnight, so you can be there when the cruise ships aren't there. Right, so the cruise ships leave at you know in the afternoon, and then you get the sit and you get a more of a, a real sense. It is beautiful, and like. We kayak to an island off of the city where we were cliff jumping and you know visiting Game of Thrones. I, I remember sites. when you <laughs> did that
0: though; it looked amazing. Oh
1: my! The cliff jumping there was amazing. I, I seriously, some of the best cliff jumping ever.
0: <laughs> I fully respect a city or a country or a destination putting like some sort of tax on day trippers or even just tourists. I feel like people sometimes have a negative reaction to that. But I think over tourism is such a danger. I really I like really respect that.
1: Especially Dubrovnik, which was, you know, it's Venice's has been happening forever. But Dubrovnik was not popular until recently. and, And then all of a sudden it is they need to do something great city, highly recommended. But yes, try to stay there don't visit it on a, on a cruise ship like I feel I feel
0: like that's just like a rule of thumb for almost everywhere. And I, I can and make like, arguments
1: just... for cruise ships. I am not anti-cruise at all, and I think there's a great time and place for it. The Baltic would be an example. But anyways, let's move on. AJ, what do we have next? This is Gilberto Salcedo, who is the Vice President of Tourism at Pro Columbia. My
0: recommendation for 2024 is Guayari. You can go and have uh, this kind of experiences with the pink dolphins in the natural ecosystem. Maybe one of the best spots of nature in Colombia.
1: Okay, so not surprising that someone from the Colombian Tourism Board would pick a destination in Colombia, I suppose. But I do like this, and and here's why. Okay, so I think when Colombia first started opening up to tourism, the feedback I got from people is you kind of go, and it was very touristy and and things weren't quite really it was hard to get off the beaten path right and i think now a destination like guaviare which honestly i hadn't heard of until <laughs> until uh, he mentioned it is going deeper and exploring like you know getting into nature into an area that was probably off limits uh, until very recently because of the drug trade but it sounds fascinating i mean colombia's got more bird species than than any other country on earth little fun fact there so I don't know. I I love this pick. Jackie, what do you think?
0: I was giving this the most obscure award, but now that I realize the person who recommended it is from Columbia, it it does make more sense. I had to do a little bit of Googling for this one, but I was impressed. I was absolutely captivated. I agree. Like the birds, the animals, this woolly monkey that they have is perhaps the cutest thing ever, but I also have always wanted to do an Amazon some kind of forest excursion. And I love the idea, honestly, of just getting out of the tried and true and trying something new and going somewhere where you're not going to run into a million other people from your hometown. So I fully support it. it. It's giving like Lost City vibes.
1: To your point, first of all, an Amazon excursion, like a safari is kind of one of the most amazing travel experience, I think for people who love wildlife. I've done it in Peru. You can do it in Brazil. You can do it in Colombia now. It is an amazing thing seeing the pink dolphins, the woolly monkeys. I didn't even know about that, but it, it is great. Now, of course, there's also Medellin. There's so many different. There's Bogota. There's Cartagena. There's the you know the Caribbean islands up there. Like, Colombia has a ton of places. But I will say, this one is great for getting you off that, that kind of beaten path where everybody else is. Another place for that is on the west coast of the country. This is an area it's not easy to get to. Great wildlife, great beaches. There's a little place there called El Amehal Beach Hotel. I've been wanting to go to this place for years now. It's, like, it's, it's just like 12 cabins. It's not fancy, but it's right next to this huge national park. It's its own private nature reserve. Whales, you know, doll, all kinds of stuff. It looks incredible. All El Amehal. We're gonna take a quick break. And Jackie and I will be right back to talk about more exciting destinations for 2024. Okay, AJ, let's, let's go on to the next one. All right, this is Rebecca from Little Emperor. I'm most excited about Costa Rica and the destination. It started to come up during the pandemic. And have continued to be so. though. Many brokers for travelers today, especially online, on the younger traveler, around sustainability, wellness, experiences. Okay, I think she's from the UK. I think Costa Rica maybe is more of a new destination for people from the UK. It's certainly nothing new for. American travelers, that said, it's extremely popular. People love it for good reason. It's extremely tourist friendly, you know, incredible wildlife, beaches, so on and so forth. What's your thought on Costa Rica right now?
0: I fully support this. A, they are such a leader in sustainability. So I think that's always a plus. We should be supporting places that really care about that. And it's it's not just lip service. They are really doing legitimate things in that regard. But actually, I had a conversation with someone who works at a hotel in Costa Rica just the other day. And he had a really interesting point that a lot of people look at Costa Rica as a bucket list destination. And so just by that very fact they don't get a ton of repeat visitors it's like one and done kind of situation and he was like a little disheartened about that. And I really felt for him. But I think, I think it is such an interesting point to make, like you should go back. I mean, things are happening. I know the Four Seasons is doing a big renovation. I've stayed there. It's beautiful. And one of the things that they did actually do was totally revamp their golf course. So it's, it's like, I think they're, they're saving like 20% of water through new irrigation systems. So they're doing a lot of interesting things. It's beautiful. You literally cannot just like argue against the beauty. I just, I don't see it as a one, and done place. I think it'd be great if people continued to go. So I like the idea of us maybe thinking about it differently and not just writing it off after we've been there one time.
1: Yeah. And I think there is a lot more of, you know, people think of the beaches and the Monkeys, probably first and foremost. I, I, I think, but then you, okay, so you said the four seasons. There's also Hacienda Alta Gracia, which is like a horseback riding, you know, country retreat that's off the coast a bit. There's the Nayara Hot Springs properties up in near Arenal, near the volcano and the lake up there. There's a lot of variety, and it's kind of like you could squeeze it all into one trip, but it's also the kind of thing you can go back and have a very different experience. Now, I will say, there, there's there been a few stories lately about Costa Rica and the increase in, in violence there. I do think they're having some issues. I mean, I know they're having some issues with the drug cartels, which they've managed to avoid for the most part over the years. But that is a growing concern there. As far as I know, it hasn't really affected tourists yet, kind of like in, in Mexico, where everyone you know, gets scared of the drug cartels, but it doesn't really affect tourists 99.99% of the time. But that is a growing concern in Costa Rica. And I will say, the only time I've ever been held up in my life while traveling was in Costa Rica. Really? Yes, it Where was. were you?
0: I take it you were not at the Four Seasons.
1: <laughs> I was walking back to my hotel at 3 in the morning from a casino in downtown San Jose. So I blame me. Yeah, I was like a
0: 50-50. Yeah, no, that's me. That's
1: on me. That's, I can't blame Costa. Yeah, I can't blame. 3 in the morning from a casino to my hotel. Yeah. All right, now we've got Bobby Huebner, the GM of Skylark. In terms of the destinations that I'm excited about, I think Sardinia is going to explode. It's long been a vacation spot for Italians who are in the know. OK, Sardinia. So I think the first thing I think of Sardinia is like the Costa Smeralda like it was developed by the Aga Khan in the 1960s. I remember doing a story and Rob Report about all that time and, and development back in the day. But I do think there's a lot. It's, it's like a Sicily where there's, you know, there's mountain villages and incre- like unique cuisine to this island. I think Sicily has been getting a ton of attention, you know, recently, white lotus and whatnot. Sardinia, I, th- I think that's a great pick. It's, it's, it's kind of ripe to, OK, you've done Sicily, go to Sardinia or, you know, maybe avoid all the, the white lotus set vacationers and go to, go to Sardinia instead.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. This one is on my list. There's a Mandarin Oriental opening there. There's also a Rocco Forte opening. So a lot's happening. I've only been one time and it was on a cruise and it was for the day. It felt beautiful, but like I didn't really get a great sense of it. And I agree with you when I think of what hotels are there. I think of the the luxury collection properties. Right. So I think it's really nice. They they have a nice base and it's very yachty and like coastal marina vibes. I think it's going to it's gonna be able to rival Sicily now. And I agree with you. I think we need to give Sicily a rest. Like, let those people breathe. They, they have been inundated at this point.
1: I still haven't been, so I still need to get there. But yes, I agree. I, I, I'd also note, too, that Sardinia was actually the first blue zone, the first designated blue zone. So the whole, you know, blue zone thing with Dan Buettner. So it's the place where, you know, people live to 100. So I think there's also a huge wellness component about this destination, the food, the lifestyle. So, okay, Sardinia, great, great pick. Really good one. that's okay. oh, a
0: good one, yeah. yeah.
1: What's next, AJ? This is Christian Cote, who is the EVP of Global Sales at Colette. And so what I'm really excited about is really the destinations like Finland, you know, the Northern Lights in Finland, being able to stay in the Igloo Hotels where you're 300 kilometers north of the Arctic Circle. Finland, ha- have you been to Finland?
0: No, I want to go. Like, yes, 100% okay. support that.
1: So this is what this is like all of a sudden Jackie and Bruce's cruise ship itinerary. Uh, so because I, I no, visited. No, I to stay
0: in the igloo. I'm staying I, Yeah, no,
1: that sounds a little better. So I, I did. I went to Helsinki on a cruise ship and a cruise of the Baltic. And it was great. Helsinki did not strike me as the kind of place that I'd go out of my way to visit on its own. But we did, you know, boat trips and there's great islands all around there. Of course, up in Lapland where you can go for the winter, the northern lights, everything like that. You know, I think it's a great destination for that type of thing.
0: Yeah, that's why I would go to. You do know that Finland was ranked the happiest country in the world six consecutive years in a row. Consecutive. I did. And
1: yeah. that's like, and it's dark there for like, Twenty hours a day in the winter. How is that possible? I can't. Everyone
0: just has that seasonal affective disorder lamp that you put on to make yourself happy. I think.
1: Yes, I, I don't. Where know. Where they're I...
0: all on Prozac.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the they're they Prozac. Have, they have
0: universal health care. So. Right. There you go.
1: Um, one company that's good, by the way, for that whole region, anywhere up there, for that type of experience, especially like going to see the northern lights, doing the dog sledding, whatever it is, Nordic luxury. I traveled with them through Sweden. Actually, for a story for you, way back when. And they're a great company. So Nordic Luxury, check that out. This is Mina Agnos, who is the president and founder of Travel Live. Um, the destinations I'm most excited
0: about for 2024 are the Peloponnese and northern Greece. We've got lots of organic farms,
1: an incredible wine region, great wine. cooking wine. classes, um, fantastic traditional food scene, and also lots of history and culture, great walks, lots of things that you can do to experience an incredible, untouched visit of Greece. So Greece, you know, most people think Athens and the islands. And so I really like that this person is turning the attention to kind of the Peloponnese and northern Greece, which I think a lot of people ignore. And, and it's really cool. It's up near now. It's up near Albania. I was actually looking at doing a trip in northern Greece and Albania this year. And it's beautiful, like a lot of small coastal villages, mountain, incredible like national parks. And like they've got a giant river gorge there. They even have like skiing in the winter up in up in northern Greece. Like it's 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 really different from what I think people think of as Greece, right? People think of like the white whitewashed villas in on the islands and then, you know, the Acropolis and whatnot in Athens.
0: Yeah, I think like Obviously, if anything, it's just to stop with the over-tourism in the Greek Isles. (laughs) Like, let's give someone else a chance. I liked the idea of going to the Peloponnese. Is it Mandarin Oriental The Costa Navarino is opening or has opened recently? So there is a little bit of hotel news if you're really driven by, like, where the luxury stuff is. But I agree with you. Northern Greece, those villages, they look stunning. I would absolutely do, like, a little... Tour, like stopping in all the villages along the way and hiking. It just, it looks so stunning and, and completely untouched.
1: She mentioned the food and wine, but she did not mention that the Peloponnese is where Kalamata is. Kalamata olives. And there's incredible olives all over that whole region, not just in Kalamata, but like in, in I think the Laconia region is really well known for for its olives and olive oil. So... I'm a big, you know, in addition to olives. tea. I love okay, olives. I good. could
0: make a whole meal out of olives.
1: <laughs> I could too. That's actually my dream is to have an olive grove. So anyways, okay. Maybe maybe in the Peloponnese. This is Javier Aradondo, who is the VP of Sustainability at Virtuoso. A uh, destination I'm really excited about visiting next year is Singapore. Specifically to learn about their sustainability initiatives. I've met with them and I think... The level of innovation and commitment that they have as a city is incredible. An unexpected pick for sustain from a sustainability angle. Singapore, <laughs> really nice. Javier. So I you know, I don't know a whole lot about Singapore. Singapore's sustainability efforts. I do know that they've like reclaimed a lot of land and have converted into these beautiful, you know, stunning parks with those the hanging plants and all I mean it, it looks spectacular and a lot of that was kind of reclaimed land which is great I do know that outside of Singapore like the there's a lot of cool stuff like Nikoi Island and Sempedek Island which are these exclusive private island resorts that are extremely like they're part of the long run do you know the long run no it's this you know it's an organization where all these resorts are committed to kind of it's not just like immediate conservation and, and community work. It's like they've made a plan for the future and these are all the, but uh, I don't know, I I can't explain it, but it's a very, it's a huge commitment to sustainability. So I do think that whole area is interesting from that perspective.
0: Yeah. You know, I always think of Singapore as like a place you go for shopping or work. And so initially I was like, Oh, Singapore, I don't know, but they have this 2030 green plan and it is what it sounds like. they're they're trying to open more green spaces and nature parks, and they've established some nature trails on this old railway track. And I also think about how they have found ways to build the high rise buildings that we think of and and put these beautiful green walls and do all these other green initiatives around them. It's obviously not solving the issue of like global warming, but it's like the right, it's a step in the right direction. So anytime someone's putting out like a really ambitious plan for the next, however many handful of years, I'm, I'm fully supportive of that. I really like Definitely. that.
1: And we didn't even mention the street food. So another reason to go to to, to Singapore.
0: Amanda Elder, Chief Commercial Officer, Kempinski Hotels, and I'm going to say Riga
1: in Latvia. And why? Why are you saying That's Fabulous a great- destination has retained its historical and heritage by nature. Uh, you can see the old people knitting on the streets. Just so much culture, so much heritage, and we have a magnificent hotel there. Well, okay, so this is going to be a destination that I don't think either of us have been to, so we're going to have to we're going to have to uh, wing it here. But I, no, I look, I've I've been to places nearby. I've been to Tallinn in Estonia, and I, I kind of like I get the sense for why these places are so cool. Um, it's it is that kind of like undiscovered Europe sense that I think Americans can get in a place like this, which I love, like feeling like you're going somewhere that isn't Paris or or Athens or or whatever. I also think the food up in that region is super interesting. It's always been a, a, a agricultural, agrarian communities, and so they have a lot. It's just naturally kind of farm-to-table stuff, and it, it has been for centuries. And so I think as a destination, like it's a, it's a great spot. Now, Riga itself, I don't know much about. So Jackie, I'm hoping you can help me on this one. <laughs>
0: OK, well, um, I did my research.
1: OK, good. One of,
0: one of us here good, did it, apparently. Good, good, good. I will vouch for her. The Kempinski looks outrageously gorgeous. But the thing that I thought was so interesting is that given everything happening with the Ukrainian war, cruises are obviously no longer going to Russia. And so Riga is like really cleaning up nice as a result of that. All of these stops are like making their way to Riga instead. So apparently Russia lost like 100 million euros in cruise ship revenue in 2022. And it sounds like Riga's just kind of lapping some of that up. I saw that uh, some of the really big cruise lines are stopping there, Royal Caribbean, Disney, MSC, but even some of like the smaller luxury ones like Ponant and Regent. So I think that that's just really fascinating in and of itself. I know that you did a cruise stop in, I think it was St. Petersburg. And 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 I'm sure that was incredible. Yeah. But so this is kind of like the nice thing the, the nice like, weird little upshot of that.
1: I think that's great. I honestly that it is an inc- that is a great region to see by cruise ship. I do believe that because it, it you can really get great experiences. I mean when we so we did Baltic, we started in Stockholm, went to Tallinn, Estonia, which is just up from Riga, and then St. Petersburg, and then Helsinki, and then Copenhagen. I think we might there might have been another stop in there. But so look, St. Petersburg's the highlight, no question about it. We were there for three nights. That was really cool that we stayed there that long. It was a seaborne cruise and we were in St. Petersburg. So you really feel like we spent time there and got to know that city. That's a big gaping hole from a Baltic cruise. And so if Riga can step up, I'm sure it's fascinating. It's not St. Petersburg. I can't I can't well, imagine. Look, it is. We're not saying yeah. it
0: is, nor should it be, but I think, you know, the fact that Little Riga can, can have its moment and people can discover, you know, it's got Art Nouveau architecture. I love that it's old town is pedestrian only. So I think like, you know, we don't know a lot about it. And that's just a big shame. But I think it's because a lot of people don't know about it. And, and that's going to change.
1: And one thing that I love about Talon just up the road was like all the cool antique shops that they have there. I'm not much of an antiquary, as you can probably guess. But there it was all this old like Soviet era, you know, war memorabilia and things like that. I actually bought an old Soviet gas mask from a, from an antique store in Tallinn, which I you know I thought was just kind of a interesting little piece to have, and then I ended up using it during the pandemic. So I oh I, got, I got I, I put it to you. So okay, we just did a perfect example of you know when you don't know the answer to a question, you just change Google. the subject, like or you, you Google or you change the subject. So we instead of Riga, we talked about Tallinn. So. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back to hear about more destinations for 2024. And be sure to stick around till the end because we have an exciting opportunity for you to be featured on Travel That Matters.
0: Hi, I'm Lale Aracoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs.
1: Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love.
0: And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of
1: these, I, I will
0: call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding
1: elephants to training sled dogs, we hear it all. The dogs will
0: curl right up with you, and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel, published every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen.
1: Very good. Okay, so AJ, what do we have next here? Omer Akar, CEO of Raffles and Orient Express. I'm much excited about... Raffles London opening and Raffles Boston opening. London is gonna position the brand in an incredible way with a beautiful hotel in the Old War Office. And Boston, New England, new destination, new culture, new experiences. We will be sharing Raffles' view of hospitality in in, in United States. Okay, obviously, you know, CEO of Raffles is gonna pick a, two <laughs> destinations with Raffles hotels opening up. However. Two really cool hotels, especially the London one. Okay, so he didn't go into. i have
0: to. I'm gonna have to go head to head with you on that because I stayed at the Raffles Boston last week. Oh, you did. It's, oh, it's well, bomb. Yeah, well, I, it's amazing.
1: I, it. I we we had George Mendez on the on the show recently, and he has a you know a new Portuguese restaurant there that sounds amazing. Yes, he
0: does, and I ate there, and it was spectacular.
1: Fab, fab. Okay, so <laughs> by the way, I, I would also say Boston is a city that not particularly strong on the hotel front when you look at other cities like New York and Chicago and and L.A. And so I think it's a very welcome addition to have this. Yeah, Bruce, I
0: think it's time for you to cede the floor. I've been to Boston three times in the last two months. I am a New Yorker. I am not one to tout the values of other New England or Northeastern (laughs) cities, but I am very much into Boston right now. There's a lot of hotel news going on. The Four Seasons was just renovated by Ken Fulk. I stayed at the Newbury, which is the Old Ritz. It was also very lovely. But the raffles is just like head and shoulders. I couldn't even believe, like, first of all, to have a new build in Back Bay, no one even thought it was going to be possible. But what they've done is really not something that you see a lot in the U.S. anymore, where you just are like, they spent so much money on everything here. It really was that sort of unabashed luxury, but I, I was totally won over by it. The, the food was amazing. Amar is the restaurant and we had an incredible time. Like it was one of those nights where you thought you were going to have a glass of wine and you were like ordering the $300 bottle. So we had a spectacular time. I went there with a girlfriend, you know, Boston just has a lot going on food wise as well. There's a ton of new restaurants that I'm really into. There's this restaurant called Oh Yeah. that's a Japanese restaurant. The Seaport District is finally expanding to a place where it feels more livable. I think a lot of people, certainly people in Boston, thought that it felt a little too like, just like new and stiff and, and sterile and not really like Boston. And I think it's really getting there for sure. The ICAA Museum is amazing. There is this new spot that I've not been to yet, but it's in that district. It's called Grace by Nia. It was opened by this woman who that is her name. Nia Grace is her name. She's a Roxbury native. And it's this like very cool, like jazz venue that has this like interesting fusion of comfort food, but then also very New Englandy. So, um, you know, I've never thought of Boston as a cool city. Like that's just the New York snob in me. And I think it's like it's happening now for sure. I love they it. also have the whole Boston Tea Party thing happening this December
1: is it the? Is it an anniversary? Is it what?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the two. So yeah, I was gonna say, look, the Boston Tea Party means a lot of things at this point. Okay, yeah. we're talking about the original one. We can even discuss whether that was a good thing or not. Okay, but it's the two hundred fiftieth anniversary, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like the first. 250th anniversary that we're celebrating as a nation so it's significant
1: okay that's cool i look i love boston i always have but i you know that is great to hear there's a lot going on on the the food the hotel the art scene jazz clubs i I love it you know i mainly associate it with work i did a lot of work trips there and going to red sox games and things like that very you know not nothing fancy or anything but i i Absolutely love the feel of that city, so I'm due for a trip back, and and it sounds like I have a very good reason to do so. But we have to talk about, okay, the London Hotel is even more, I like, honestly, okay, so this is not a Raffles commercial here or anything, but that hotel, I I, I think, is one of the most exciting hotel openings in a long, long time. It's, it's the Owo, is I think how they say it. It's O-W-O, the Old World Office, and it's in this, you know, building from the early 1900s that was the Old World Office the war office, sorry, the war office, not old world, old war office. And, you know, Winston Churchill used to work out of there. You know, Ian Fleming was based there for a while. Like, there's a lot of history to this hotel. And it's also the even the the war office itself was built on the site of Henry VIII's former palace. So like this location in London is legendary. It it looks like they you know, talk about the money spent like it looks like they spent a fortune on this place like every I, I it just opened a couple weeks ago and i think like everything i'm hearing is amazing they have a maro Collegreco restaurant there who's you know i think his restaurant was named the best in the world or something like that the one he has in nice so anyways london very exciting in london very exciting in boston
0: there are a few other big hotel openings in London in 2024. I think Mandarin is happening later this year.
1: The, the the existing Mandarin? that or No,
0: they're doing a second opening in Mayfair. I think Rosewood is also opening a second. One thing that I thought was really interesting, and this actually goes back to something we were talking about earlier, is that in 2024, they're going to start charging tourists who don't need an actual visa. So like Americans, It's I think it's going to be about $12.50 in our money about I think it's ten pounds that they're gonna be charging people. Which again, I'm like, great, I'm all about it. Like, you know, whatever, whatever fee. they need to do. Yeah, no, it's just an it's like an entry fee. An
1: entry fee. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm all I'm all for those types of fees that that help yeah. keep things the in, in a state where we want to visit them, right? Because if they yeah. if they degrade, we don't want to go there anymore. So yes, absolutely. Okay. Boston, London. This is Ian De who is the chief commercial officer of minor hotels. What excites me for 2024? I think there is an amazing island in Peng Nga Bay, which is called Koh Yai, which is uh, one of the last undiscovered islands in Thailand. Okay, another this. The heat, the, Anantara is also opening a minor hotel. Owns Anantara, and Anantara is opening up a, a, or actually, I think it just opened today, literally as we speak, a new resort. On this island, Ko Yao Yai. That said, this is a fantastic pick because it really is. It's like, so this, it's about an hour by boat from Phuket, this place. And I, I, I was trying to visit it when I was there, but I couldn't, I couldn't get there. Phuket is, it's Phuket. It's a touristy, it's, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of trash. There's. It's, it's kind of, nice. it's, it's, yeah. it's not great. I mean, great. I don't want it not to like be
0: unkind, but.
1: I, but it's, it's also it's like how
0: are you imagine?
1: Well, it's i mean There are look, the resorts are beautiful. There, there's great stuff. No question about it. However, I feel like going all the way around the world from where we are to go to Phuket. It's like, well, I can kind of go to Hawaii. I can go to the Caribbean. I can go to Mexico. There's lots of great beach destinations. I don't need to go all the way there. This sounds different. This to me sounds like it is like I, I think this is the only resort on the on this island. It's like there's a couple of like guest houses or something. The pictures I've seen of this island are stunning. There's great wildlife, the beaches, everything. And it's like a small communities. It's not just like tourists serving tourists. That's not the kind of industry of the island. So it it looks amazing. And it looks like the kind of place to me that, OK, like if I'm going to make that trip to Thailand, that's the experience that I want.
0: I will say it was like uh, I winced a little when he said it's like one of the last islands it right. yeah, hasn't been developed it's like what if we just left a couple of them untouched could we do that It's
1: like the Maldives I feel like I, every week we hear about a new resort opening up in the Maldives it's like how many islands right it's like oh
0: this one's the lot. you know it, it's like well, maybe we've got enough I don't know look I'm sure it's amazing it's just it, that made me kind of like shrug a little
1: yeah this is Pavia Rosati from Fathom I am most excited about two places one to visit and one to stay I am finally going to make it to Norway. I'm going for the fjords, for the mountains, just for the big, big nature of it all. The place where I want to go and spend some time, and by that I mean six
0: or eight weeks, is Buenos Aires. I went to BA once with a group of friends from New York, maybe 10 years ago, and a few days was just not
1: enough time to get to know the city. Fun fact about Pavia: She was one of the original editors, kind of the main editor behind Daily Candy. So a lot of you have probably oh, I, read I a lot that. of her her content. Yeah. She's fantastic. Uh, I love. Okay, so Buenos Aires, the time that she's talking about spending there, Argentina is a destination that I'm, <laughs> I keep on intending to go to. I've never been, and part of it is that I feel like I need three weeks because I want to go to Patagonia. I want to go to BA, of course. I want to go to Iguazu Falls. I want to go to the Ibero wetlands. I want to go to, to uh, the wine country, Mendoza. Like, there's so many different things there that, like, I, I feel like being based in, in Buenos Aires for a period of time is, well, I mean, of course it's a great idea, but.
0: I'll say yes. I second that. I'd love to talk about Norway, though.
1: Really? Okay. So good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really want to go to Even Norway. Even as a Spanish
1: speaker. Okay. All
0: right. <laughs> I. You know, I think. Norway, we're we are talking about some similar things. Having spoken about Finland already, and and the Northern Lights are obviously a huge attraction, but Norway will be the host of the European Capital of Culture. In 2024, So I think that's kind of like a nice addition because we obviously are thinking Northern Lights, but obviously the cities are are very much an attraction in and of themselves. Uh, I don't know if you know the brand 62 Nord. They've done some really cool stuff transforming old estates throughout Norway into hotels. They have recently opened one in Oslo, so that would be a nice little pairing for that. But I think the big information or the big opening that's happening hopefully this year, it's been talked about for, you know, ages ad nauseum, is the Six six Senses Svart which is up in the Arctic circle. It is meant to be very environmental. I know that they are saying that they're going to be net zero. I don't know if that's like fully founded just yet, but I, I love everything they're doing. It sounds like they'll be off grid. It even sounds like they'll be generating more energy than they use, and then they'll feed it back into the local grid system. So, and then it's just like amazing to look at. You're, you're surrounded by these beautiful fjords. And I, I think like people are just going to lose their minds when that opens. Opens up
1: And back to 62 Nord, I, I was going to bring them up as well. It's not just the hotels that they have. They also like the lead these adventure, like they'll take you, you know, hiking through the fjords, boating through the fjords, skiing through the fjords. Like there's all these really cool adventure trips that they lead. And they do have some, you know, interesting hotels that they've taken over. I, I really want to travel with them. Norway to me, like the, the fjord experience in Norway is kind of one of those ultimate nature beauty like being out and the expanse of wild the wilderness and it just that's my dream so
0: there is actually one other company you should probably know i met with them earlier this year they're called secret atlas and they are taking old polar ships and refitting them for tourism and they have a new one coming out i think it has to be before the end of the year so they're they're full first year will be 2024. Um, The ship is called Viking Fjord and they're doing a lot of amazing stuff to make sure that their emissions stay low and they're doing, you know, like they're really being environmental about it, but they're hosting these really cool experiences like 10 day cruises with an emphasis on photography. So I was really interested in that. I I don't think a lot of people know about it yet since they're still very new, but it's definitely something to take a look at.
1: I did not know about that. So Pavio's has taken us from you know the far south to the far far north. I want to ask you, Jackie, what destination are you most excited about?
0: Obviously, I predicted that you were going to ask me this. So I did think about it for a second or two. Initially, I feel like maybe it's not that special or unusual. I really want to go back to Japan. I haven't been since 2019. The reason I want to go back, though, is that Japan has these national cycling routes. And there's one in particular called the Pacific Cycling Road that actually goes like 900 miles or something crazy like that across six different prefectures. And I, I want to do like a really intense cycling trip. I've really gotten into cycling the last couple of years, but I love that you, you can go through like fish villages um, and, and all these beautiful little pastoral areas, but then you're also very close to cities. You can even get fairly within like, you know, a stone's throw of Tokyo and you could absolutely be cycling past Mount Fuji. So I'm, I'm just like dying to do that. I'm hoping I can do it in the first half of the year next year.
1: Yeah. And I think, look, I've kind of only done the classics in in Japan, Tokyo and and Kyoto and Osaka. But I I feel like that's the kind of place where if you do go a little bit off, it's already so culturally different. But like if you got into the countryside and go to these little villages, like no one's speaking English, like you're eating things you've never eaten before. I, I, I I'm guessing like that's that kind of one of those ultimate like experiences of, of difference that, that a lot of us look for is, as travelers and, and really experiencing something completely different than our day to day.
0: Yeah, we got a taste of that in 2019. We did. I think it was probably 10 days in the whole Seto Inland Sea area, and we were, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes, I mean, it was just stunning what you would see. And you're absolutely right. It, it was. It was not a tourist destination. In fact, there were so many villages where the population had just fully dwindled down to only a handful of people because all the all the kids had left. It was just the elderly people. So it was just like a very fascinating dynamic to meet people there. And obviously, we had a translator, but it, it was really special spectacular to go off the sort of like typical path
1: yeah that is one country where you a translator comes in handy especially when you're eating yes. foods that you have <laughs> no idea what they are so you need to it's nice to know what you're eating okay do you want to know what my pick yes do you back do you okay good okay good good you're gonna love my pick actually it's kind of again not i you know you and i have kind of gone right down the middle here with our picks but mine is south africa Okay, And part of that is just where, you know, wherever I'm going is what I'm most excited about. And I'm going to South Africa. But look, I do think it is a a destination that is just like it's it's such a great combination, again, of, of, you know, the wildlife experiences, the cities, the culture, the wine country, the food. It's got a very exciting food scene right now. You've got great coastline. I'm most excited. I'm I'm finally going to a place called Swalu Kalahari Reserve, which is this massive, like 300,000 acre private reserve, 300,000 acres is like bigger than Los Angeles, I think. And I think there are three small game lodges in there, like maybe like 40 people total stay there at a time. And it's this massive property. Great wildlife. It's a little harder to see wildlife there, from what I understand. You got to, I actually just talked to a couple of people that were there, and you got to, you got to look. But great safari experience. Meerkats.
0: Oh, I love them. Brown I hyenas you should work for your sighting, So yeah, I, I exactly like that. I don't exactly. I do just like handed to you on a silver platter.
1: Exactly. So it's more thrilling when you see a brown hyena when you you've worked for it and and, and you kind of discover it. So great wild black maned lions, also lions with black manes.
0: And you should also mention. It has a restaurant from one of South Africa's like most important shops. Exactly. So. Like,
1: this is great. OK, so you're in the middle of this 300,000 acre game reserve with only like 40 people on at any, you know, 40 guests on at any time. And in this one little corner of this game reserve is this new restaurant. I think it opened a couple of years ago, maybe. But it's called Klein John. And it's from a Michelin starred South African chef. And it looks inc- I, and so, you know, we're going to eat there one night. And I'm, I'm super excited about that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It's like underground. It's, it's a whole journey. I think that you kind yep. of like go through this dining area. Yep. You should also, if you're going to Cape town, you should eat at the restaurant there too, for comparison.
1: So, okay. So give me a couple Cape town tips. So I'm going to be in Cape town. I'm staying at the the Mount Nelson, the Belmont hotel there, which is actually celebrating love its that. 125th anniversary this year. So that's, you know, another kind of hook here for why South Africa is exciting. Great hotel, love, lovely place. You know, if I'm going to do one day of, you know, cultural experiences. Do I was like, like, are you going to want
0: to hear what I say? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I want to know, like, what what are the places that that I should hit?
0: I would suggest, and I will put you in touch with this man, Joao Ferreira. He ran one of the most important art galleries in Cape Town for years and years. He does private tours now. And when I went on a tour with him, first of all, he's just lovely. But he can get you into anywhere. And he can he can get you, like, before the show opens, you're in there while the artist is, like, installing the, the installation. So I actually became a huge fan of African, but specifically South African contemporary art while I was on this tour with him. I actually have a couple of pieces from South African artists. And, and I those were like years in the making where I like stalked these artists forever until I could actually afford one of their pieces. I would say that the landscape there is changing so much. It's been several years since I've been back. You want to get somebody who like knows all the players and just go on these tours. And it, it's just so beyond fascinating. There's such a, a rich, like, They're nurturing artists in such a special way. Obviously, you'd have to go to the Zeitz as well, uh, the museum there. But I think it's really special when you can get into those studios and those art galleries.
1: But okay, that's why I'm picking South Africa, right? Like we're only going for six nights, three nights in Cape Town and getting experiences like that with the the culture, the food, the art, a little wine, maybe a little penguins. Might go see some penguins. And then three nights of incredible safari and you can do it all in, in one place. So. That's my pick.
0: Okay. Well, you know, you are a fan of doing safari and leisure in the same trip then. So you're going to have to revise what when you said easy. about Lamo. When, <laughs> when it's
1: really convenient. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, Jackie, I think we've covered just about the entire world here. So thank you for all your fabulous insights. It's been great having you on.
0: Thanks for having me. And now for the wall and Wrap-Up.
1: First, I'd like to thank Jackie and everybody else who participated in this episode, everyone who contributed their picks to the top destinations for 2024. And of course, I'd like to thank Virtuoso for allowing me to kind of bother all of their their participants and stick a microphone in their face and, and ask them questions. So great event, thank you so much. Now, we wanna hear about your top picks for 2024. We wanna know where you wanna go and we want you to send that to us in an audio clip. If you could record yourself, say your name, what destination you're most excited about, and briefly why, and then send that clip to me at bruce at Kurtco.com We want to put together an episode of the show featuring you, the listeners, and all the exciting places that you want to go. So again, bruce at kirkko.com. Send me an audio clip. If you have to, you can also type out a message, but the audio clip is going to be a lot better for the, for the show. So please do. Looking forward to hearing from you and thank you for listening. We'd like to thank Jackie Caradogno, Virtuoso, and everybody else who participated in this episode of Travel That Matters. For more information on their companies, their picks, the hotels we talked about, please check out our show notes or visit Kurtcoat.com backslash Travel That Matters. Travel That Matters is produced and edited for Kurtco Media by A.J. Mosley. Marketing by Katrin Skopertis and hosted by me, Bruce Wallen. And we will see you down the road.